Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spices that they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the Master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then out of nowhere, it seemed, two men like cascading over them stood there. And the women were awestruck, and they bowed down in worship. And the men said, Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. And for those of you that have been in church for a while, you've probably heard it like this. The question is posed like this. As they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Well, it's Easter morning, Uh, one of the three most important days in the history of mankind, day one, the day Jesus was born, day two, the day he died, day three, well, that's this day, this is the day that he separated himself from every other person who has ever claimed to be a savior, who ever claimed to be a messiah, who ever claimed to be sent from God. It is on this day that he separates himself from all of those. And even if church and even if religion and even if God is not your thing, living in this country, you know you've been exposed to the fact that Easter is about his resurrection. On the third day, it's after his gruesome and undeserved crucifixion that Jesus is resurrected and he walks back onto the scene and he reveals himself to his followers, but he also reveals himself to us. And so this morning what I've done is I've read to you out of Luke chapter 24, I read to you the immediate aftermath of this event and I want to focus on that few moments after the first folks discover that he's, he is alive because I believe that what takes place there is there is an incredible flip that is exposed here that we need to know. Let me see if I can set the scene for you. Jesus' closest friends and his closest followers are still in shock and they're still mourning the death of their friend, their savior, their king, their messiah, their their miracle worker, the one that they've placed all their hopes on, the one that they've given their life to. Now they're faced with the stark revelation and realization that he is dead. He is no more. He's been taken away from us. And they long to show and pay their respects and their honor to this, this man that has impacted their life. And so they get up early on this Sunday morning and they approach the tomb. To pay respects. And when they arrive, they see that the tomb, the stone has been rolled away. And in their own minds, they begin to freak out because they think what's going on is that the government, to to pile on, to show even more disrespect to this man, they think the government has stolen his body just to make a spectacle of him. And so 
they enter the tomb and when they walk into the tomb Jesus is not there but two men are there and talking about talk about special effects man these two guys show up out of nowhere and and lights just begin to cascade now we know on retrospect that they're angels they didn't recognize that immediately something's going on here lights are are are, are shining and they fall on their face and these angels ask this question, and herein lies the flip. They, they ask this question, why do you seek the living among the dead? This question that these angels ask, it does several things. First, it reveals that Jesus is no longer dead. This question literally, verbally slaps Jesus' followers in the face and kind of shakes them from their stupor and causes them to suddenly, out of nowhere, to understand that something has changed. Something is up. Something is different. This question shakes them to an understanding that Jesus was indeed who He said He was. And as much as this question revealed to them about the moment that they were experiencing, this question also reveals the incredible difference between Jesus and us. Let me see if I can help you this morning. His followers were so caught up in death that, and so focused on his death that they missed his life. And so let me say it like this. His followers run to the tomb on Easter morning to do this. They go to enhance burial. That's why they were there. The Bible says that they prepared spices. They, they took these spices not to stop death, not to change death, not to affect death. All they had done was they prepared these spices to take them to the tomb to enhance burial. Y'all are going to get it in a second. They go to sweeten the smell. The only reason they show up with spices is to try to cover up the stench of death. Now, isn't that what we do? Isn't that how we live our lives? Isn't that what we do? We, we go through life trying to make death and destruction and the price of sin more acceptable. We don't try to stop it. We don't try to change it. All we're doing is we're trying to make it more comfortable and more palatable. We want to camouflage it. We want to dress it up. We want to clean it up. That's what they came to do. They were simply trying to mask death. But here's where Jesus is different. Jesus specializes in undoing burials. Jesus unburies, and therein lies the flip. If you don't catch anything else I say today, please catch this, because this is what we need to recognize. We look for the living among the dead. But Jesus looks for the dead among the living. Oh, y'all didn't get that. We humans it's our nature we look for the living among the dead jesus looks for the dead among the living let me see if i can help you this is what we do we have a tendency as human beings we ignore those around us that are dying we ignore those around us that are struggling we ignore those around us that are hurting and in pain and all buried with life and what we do is we gravitate to those people who seem to have it all together I want to hang out with the life of the party people. I want to hang out with those people that are charismatic and full of life. And they're the up and coming crowd. Those are the people I want to spend my time with. We gravitate to the living and we ignore the dead. But Jesus focuses on the dead among the living. 
In fact, I want to say to you this morning that Scripture makes it abundantly clear that God and Jesus are looking for the dead among the living. And that was and continues to be their focus. All i got to do is take you into the Old Testament and I can show you this revelation. My favorite passage of Scripture, it reveals this truth. It's Psalms chapter 34, 18, where the Bible declares about God that God is close to those that are brokenhearted and those that are crushed in spirit. In other words, right in the middle of your worst day, not when you've got it all together, not when everything is working out exactly. Exactly as you plan, not when everything's going just like you wanted to it. No, in your worst moment, in your broken moment, in your crushed moment, in your despair, in your misery, in those moments, God runs to you and is closer to you in that moment. The story of Jonah. Jonah reveals how we are as human. Jonah says, God, the people in Nineveh are sinners. Destroy them. Bury them. Kill them all. I don't want to go spend any time with them. I don't want to go preach to them. In fact, I'll go the opposite direction. That didn't work out very well, by the way. But, but, but that's, that's our mentality. We don't want to be with the dead. Just bury them, God. But God says, no, I'm longing to be in relationship with them. Go and share the good news. Then in the New Testament, we are confronted with the fact that Jesus is on a search and rescue mission. When he begins his ministry, the first thing he says when he begins his ministry is this. I am here to bring good news to those who are poor, to bring sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free. Then he says again in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, he informs us that he is here to unbury when he makes his statement and says this. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Then he says, this is why I'm here. But I have not come to call the righteous, but I'm here for the sinners. He's looking for the dead among the living. He tells a story about a prodigal son. It's the perfect illustration. He, he begins to talk about this, this youngest son that leaves the house and takes his inheritance. And guess what? While he's got finances and while he's got sustenance, guess what? Everybody rallies around him. He's the life of the party. Everybody wants to spend their time with him. But all of a sudden, when he runs out of uh, a little uh, that stuff, that green stuff, he doesn't have any money, he doesn't have a bankroll, all of a sudden, everybody that was rallying around him just forgets about him. Just let him die. We don't care anymore. Sounds like us, doesn't it? Then the prodigal son comes home. And not only the crowd he had been hanging around, but now his brother. His brother even says, man, that guy is dead to me. He, he lived a, a terrible life. He's, he's used all of the resources up. He's taken what he didn't deserve, and he's, he's just wasted it. And so just forget about him, Dad. Let's move on to those that are alive. I'm here with you all the time. But Jesus shows us the Father's heart. Because the Father's heart stands on the porch and runs to the lost son and he hugs him and he embraces him and he brings him back into relationship even though he's covered with the stench of destruction and even though he's he's destroyed his own life the father Jesus runs to him and then Jesus goes beyond words and he proves it again and again and again and again over and over again not just with words with actions let me just remind you of a few Lazarus Jesus wasn't here to bury. Jesus was here to unbury. The widow's son. How how about Zacchaeus? Nobody wanted to be around Zacchaeus. Jesus goes searching for him. How about the, the woman at the well? How about the woman with the issue of blood? How about the ten lepers? How about this one? We don't even like to talk about this one because this one shows us that even church people have a tendency to want to bury folks. 
I know y'all ain't never met no church folk like that. But, but how about the woman caught in adultery? The religious folks are the ones that are going to bury her. And Jesus steps in and brings life. Jesus specializes in unburying people. We specialize in burying people. Let me say it like this. We throw on. Jesus throws off. That's, that's, that's it. So, so that brings us to Easter. Easter is worth celebrating because it gives us hope that not only do we have a dying Savior, and I am thankful this morning that we have a dying Savior. How many of you recognize that the Bible declares very specifically that there is no remission for sin without the shedding of blood? If Jesus had not come and died on the cross, we could not be saved. So I am thankful this morning that we have a dying Savior. But I also want you to understand that Easter is what gives us hope because he ha- we also have a resurrecting Savior. One who can find the dead and bring them to life. He, and here's the truth this morning. He not only brings us into eternal life out there somewhere in the future, but He uncovers life more abundantly in us now. Right now. So why... Do we so desperately want you to meet Jesus during Easter? Why is it that we do what we do? Why do we do Easter egg hunts? And why do we do uh, promotions? And why do people invite? And why do we get excited about Easter? Is it because we want you to come into contact with Jesus and get eternal life and get relationship with the Father? Yes. Absolutely. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. The truth is this morning is that we so desperately want you to meet Jesus on Easter and the the, the Jesus of Easter because it uncovers the grace and the joy and the peace and the hope and the potential and all the dreams that are in you because here is the truth this morning. Without Jesus, none of that stuff will ever be unburied in your life. The truth is, is that the fact that Jesus was unburied is a great story. It's great for him. I mean, you know, you're dead and you come back to life. That's a pretty good story for you, right? Yeah, that's a pretty good story for Jesus. Great. Way to go, Jesus. But how many of you understand that what makes it a great story for us is the fact that that what makes this worth celebrating is that Jesus being unburied verifies His ability to unbury you. That's why we celebrate Easter. I'm thankful that for Jesus, for His sake, that He came back to life. Great. Good job, Jesus. But what I'm really thankful about is that the fact that He's no longer in the tomb verifies that He has the same ability and power for me. I got a newsflash. Okay. Let me just help you. His followers show up at the tomb. The stone is rolled away, right? Okay, now we are talking about Jesus, correct? Y'all do remember that in a few days, Jesus is going to walk through walls. Y'all remember that part of the story? He didn't need the, the, the stone to be rolled away. Jesus had no problem with the stone. I'll stay with me now. The stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. It was unrolled so that we could get in. 
Because if it had remained in place, then I just got to take him at his word. Yeah, he's probably back to life. But now that the tomb, is, the, the stone is rolled away, I can walk in and see Jesus is not there. And that fact verifies that if he can pull that off for him, he can pull that off for me. It's quiet in here. Let me tell you some things I know. And then I'll get out of your way. This is what I know. I know that we're all the same. I know that life covers us all up. I know that divorce lays rubble over us. I know that sickness and depression layer on us. I know that grief grips us. I know that debt overtakes us. I know that fear smothers us. And I know that brokenness buries us. That's what I know. I also know this, that most of the people that you come into contact with on a regular basis, at best, or let's go at worst, at worst, they want to bury you. Ever been piled on? Ever had, ever had one of those days where it seems like everybody just wants to pile on? That's our nature. So at worst, they want to bury you. At best, what they'll do is they will try to sweeten up your destruction. They will try to make it more palatable. They will try to make it more pleasant. Not for you. For them. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all don't even, y'all want to name names? Anybody got a test? No, don't testify. Okay. That's why the news I'm sharing with you this morning is so good because the news is this. Jesus wants to and can unbury you. He exited a tomb so that you could enter life. While everybody else wants to destroy you and while everybody else wants to bury you and while everybody else will stand by and, and try to ignore and make it seem better than it is as you're being layered upon and layered upon and layered upon, Jesus steps into the middle of the scene and says, uh-uh, my specialty is I uncover people and I unbury people and I bring them to life. On January 28, 1945, World War II was grinding to a close. There were 121 elite army rangers on a mission, and they, they follow orders, and they liberate 500 prisoners of war. Most of these prisoners of war were Americans. They, uh, they were located in a prisoner camp, uh, a Japanese prisoner's camp on the, in the Philippines. These prisoners, many of them had survived. They'd survived what we now call the death march to Bataan. They were in awful condition. They had been physically abused. They were emotionally scarred. Interesting thing happened. Before the army rangers arrived, the Japanese recognized that they were losing the battle and that the war was about to be over. And so the primary guards that were watching over this prisoner's camp, they left the scene. They exited and went back to Japan. But interestingly enough, they left a few Japanese army men around. And so it was kind of a precarious situation because uh, they distanced these, these guys that were left. They distanced themselves from the prisoners, but the prisoners didn't quite know whether or not they were really free or not. They, they just couldn't figure it out. Is, is this freedom or is it just another trick? And right when all that was going on, without warning, 
the American Rangers swept into the camp in furious force. But one of the most fascinating and most interesting facets of this story was the reaction of many of the prisoners. Listen to this. They were so defeated and so diseased and so familiar with deceit that many of them had to be convinced that they were actually free. They, they were asking questions like, is this a trick? Is this a trap? Is, is this for real? And there was one particular prisoner that really interests me. His name was Captain Burt Bank. Captain Bank was uh, struggling with blindness, birth out of deficiency in vitamins. They, they hadn't fed him well. He was struggling, and so he was beginning to lose, lose his eyesight, and he just couldn't see clearly. And so when all these American rangers rushed into the camp, and everybody's worried that it's a trick, it's a trap, he couldn't make out their faces, and so he refused to budge. He would not leave his cage. I will not. I don't care what you do. I am not leaving. This is a trick. I'm going to stay in my jail cell, and I'm just going to be okay. And that's the way he operated. Finally, one of the army rangers walked up to him and tugged on his arm and he said, What's wrong with you? Don't you want to be free? Captain Bank was from Alabama. And when this other soldier walked up to him and grabbed him and tugged on his arm and said, Don't you want to be free? That soldier that tugged on him was also from the south. And when he opened his mouth and said, don't you want to be free, Captain Bank recognized a southern accent. And a smile came on his face. And he recognized this is for real. And he left his cage and he walked into freedom. That brings me to you because, see, many of you are here today. And you are so buried in defeat and you've been so buried by disease and you've been so buried by deceit that now you are hesitant and you're having a difficult time accepting hope or help. And you come into services like this and people talk about good news and talk about freedom and talk about victory and talk about breaking chains. But you just hang out in your jail cell because you don't really know if this is for real or not. But may I declare to you this morning that the reason we celebrate Jesus on Easter is because he's marched into your camp this morning with power and force. And here's the truth. If you will listen carefully, you will hear a familiar voice because the Bible says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And I recognize that for many of you this morning, because of what you've gone through, there's a layer and there's death and destruction and you feel buried. But if you will listen carefully, you will hear the still small voice of Jesus. And I can tell you what he's asking you this morning. He's asking this simple question. Do you want to be free? Because we know this. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's right. And so He is calling out by your name. It's, I recognize it becomes difficult to hear because of what life does to us. But it's down on the inside of you. Jesus is crying out, I came and I died and I rose again so that I could come to you and say, Hey, don't you want to be free? 
Aren't you tired of living buried? I can unbury you. I, my, my resurrection verifies that not only do I want to help you, but I can help you. I can set you free. Basically, this morning, what I'm saying to you is that Jesus is looking for the dead among the living. And so I got to ask you a question. Are you dead? No, I recognize that you're all cleaned up on Easter morning. You went to Cole's, got your cool looking outfit. Look nice, by the way. Great to go. Good job. Like the bow tie, Braden. Cool. Nice tie, by the way. Right? We look, we, we dress up and clean up on Easter. And we smile. But there's a lot of us that are dead. That's the question this morning. Where are you in life? Are you the living among the dead or are you the dead among the living? If you're the living among the dead, Jesus didn't come for you. If you're the dead among the living, he showed up today with an intent and purpose to set you free and to bring you life. Life can bury you, but Jesus will unbury you if you'll let him. So I pose this question to you in close. Are you dead? Have you experienced life and life more abundantly? There's only one hope for those of us that are dead. We're all dead in our sin and our trespasses. There's only one hope. And that's Jesus. Not just the dying Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed, no one looking around except my prayer team. I pose this question to you this morning. Don't you want to be free? You've experienced life bound and buried. But I'm here today to ask you, but not just me, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit right now, that still small recognizable voice, as buried as it may be, I pray right now in this moment that the voice of Jesus would rise up in you, tug on you. Don't you want to be free? Father, this morning I pray that we would be honest and Father, I pray that if there's one here that's not alive, they don't know your son Jesus. I pray today they would find life and life more abundantly. Only the light, the life that only you can give. It's why you came. It's why you died. It's why you rose again. Unbury us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed except my prayer team. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus, you're not in relationship with Jesus. We will not embarrass you. We promise. We simply ask you to raise your hand so that we can pray intelligently and so that we can put materials in your hand to help you on the journey. But we would not honor what Easter is about if we didn't give you this opportunity. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus, we desperately want you to know him because he can bring you to life. He does not want you to stay buried. 
And so this morning, if you'd say, Steve, I need Jesus in my heart and in my life. I want to submit to him and make him the king of my life so that I can experience abundant life. I want to know him, be in relationship with him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You can pull it right back down. I promise you we will not embarrass you. I, I want to know him. We've got to know him. I want to make it right. I want to make it right. Father, search our hearts. Father, I believe you're walking this room right now, row by row, seat by seat, individual by individual. You're searching out folks that look alive, but they're dead. Father, whether they raise their hand or not, I pray that in this very moment, they would surrender everything to you. Because as we die to ourselves and we admit our sin, we confess you as Lord, everything changes. You resurrect us to life and life more abundantly. Wave upon wave upon wave upon wave of blessing. I pray that you would do that today. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, life has buried me up. Uh, man, I am buried. I, I, I'm, I know Jesus. I'm in relationship with Jesus. But the truth be told this morning, I feel buried. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm struggling. Season of life is difficult. We don't have to be embarrassed by that because all of us go through those moments. This is a tough season of life and I'm just worn out, beat up, and I need hope. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real quick? Just keep it up. Please don't be embarrassed by that because all of us, yeah, there's one. Anybody else that would be brave enough to say, that's me. I'm struggling right now. I need the grace. Yeah, there's another. Keep them up. I want you to open your eyes and look around. If there's somebody around you with their hand up, I just want you to move to them. And I want you to begin to pray life into them. Come on, you can, you can do that. Just to obey the Holy Spirit and move to them. And let's just pray life into them in the name of Jesus. Come on, would you just begin to pray over them right now? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.